Bring it in. Read option podcast back and better than ever, as our friend Mike Greenberg always says. Uh, we got a great show lined up for you guys. No veto. My man is out busting his ass as normal. He's got big, big work stuff going on. Uh, but do have Scotty. So we got a Jeff and Scotty pod for you guys today. We're going to go through all the games in week five in the NFL, as well as five great college football games. We'll talk a little bit about Monday Night Football. Uh, but first, Scotty, how we doing? Ah, throwing back the coffee here. Uh, we're recording a little earlier than usual. Sorry. We are recording um, earlier than usual, yeah. I'm good, man. I'm still getting back in the swing of things. Uh, I, look, I love football, but go to Italy and <laughs> tell me that you never <laughs> want to come back. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this, man, because it was it was a rough go trying to watch football uh, while I was on vacation. First of all, it wasn't forefront of my mind. Just straight honesty, but uh, you know, once nor I got should back, it have been, nor should it have I, been. Yeah, once we got back, I had the most of of the Sunday, which was spent uh, recovering from the uh, from the jet lag to sit uh, sit down and watch uh, Red Zone. So I'm I, I got my. It was almost like week one part two uh, yeah. for me because I missed two weeks. So uh, a little bit of a teaser, and now we're getting back into it in earnest. And hey, we're like almost a third of the way through the season already. So it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, this is actually my week one because through the first four weeks of the NFL season, I haven't gotten a chance to watch. I haven't had the day to sit down and just watch football all day, which is normally what I always do. Um, but after two months of just consistent travel and or hosting parties and celebrating birthdays and doing stuff like it's just been insane i've basically it's my first weekend not doing anything since the first weekend in august so i am very excited to get a chance to just sit and enjoy football um got some really big games some really fun games and uh some other games this week uh you know just like the nfl season but like that's the beauty of the nfl like even when we have weird or not great slates, we still have awesome matchups. Uh, we have another London game, Jags and Bills. Is that an early start time again? Is that the yeah, nine? another 9.30 East Coast time? Yeah, 9.30. We also have probably the worst possible Thursday night game. Um, Bears at Commanders. I mean, Raljan, Maryland, baby. There we go. Uh, so we'll, we'll go into all of that. Uh, but I'm excited just because I'm pumped to have a weekend where I just get to like watch football and uh, and I hope everyone else gets a chance to do that too. But yeah, week one, 2.0 for me uh, and Scotty as well. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. And uh, we got great college slate too: red river rivalry, uh, LSU, Mizzou, Bama and A&M. Uh, we got a bunch of fun games. I'm sniffing. I think this is going to be a chaos weekend in college football. I think it's going to be think- chaos. Oh, good. Uh, and, good thing Penn State's on a bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They timed that out well. I have, It's my hunch for right now. I think we're going to see uh, some upsets, but we'll get into that when we pick, make our picks. Uh, let's start with Monday Night Football. How much do you think the Giants are regretting giving Daniel Jones $160 million? A lot. Uh, like, a lot. Uh, it, it appears, you know, as as well as he played down the stretch last year, 
for for all of of the tight games they won, it was due to his game management as an, and his ability to run. Now he's got the big contract. They're like, hey, don't run as much, don't use your legs as much to make plays. Uh, we don't want you getting hurt because now that he's an, a huge investment. And on top of all of that, it it kind of screwed Saquon uh, a little bit out of a long term deal anyway. And then he ends up getting hurt. That they they're not able to pay as many guys on defense to shore up the big part of what. Uh, has been their Achilles heel, that in the offensive line, which is still growing. So I think it's a, it's a big detriment uh, at this point because it, and, and to be fair for the Giants it, front office, it was kind of rocking a hard place, right? Uh, so I, I get it uh, in the position they were in last year, they ended up making the playoffs. But uh, when you look at it and try to aggregate it from a 30,000 foot view, it's like, was that really the answer? I don't think so. Uh, and I don't think any of us on the podcast thought that uh, the 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 entire way through. So uh, I do think they're regretting it uh, a little bit. And uh, and it only gets tougher the more they lose, because right now they do not look like a very good football team at all. No, they look terrible. The offensive line looks terrible. The defense looks terrible. Obviously, the Saquon injury hurts. But like. If you They've lose up a, for it before. Yeah. Like if you lose a running back like that, Matt Breida should still be more than serviceable. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these like backup running backs and obviously it's different when you have a guy like Saquon who can do so many different things. It's not that he's not like a uniquely special talent. He is. That's why he wanted the long-term contract. That's why he eventually settled on, you know, taking the franchise tag this year. And, or I, I don't remember if he took the franchise tag or if they worked like a one-year deal or something, but they, whatever it was, it shouldn't matter if Saquon's out of your offense, the whole offense shouldn't fall apart. And this has been the issue with Daniel Jones's entire career where it's just like, look, Danny dimes. There have always been flashes where it doesn't look terrible, but the wide receiver situation there has not gotten better. They've tried to invest in the offensive line. Like the fact that Andrew Thomas like ended up becoming like an all pro left tackle is honestly shocking after how terrible he was his freshman year or his rookie year. And then Evan Neal, you spent a top 10 draft pick on last year, struggles. I thought he was like a couldn't miss tackle prospect in the NFL because of his athleticism, his developments taking shorter, the interior def- offensive line's really bad. But you know where the biggest drop-off of this team has been? It's not even Danny Dimes. It's that defense. Like Wink Martindale, like Dexter Lawrence was one of the most yeah. unstoppable players in the NFL last year. And it's not that Dexter Lawrence still isn't a good player, but when they're double-teaming him, there's basically no, no other pressure. I know Kayvon Thibodeau got a sack on Monday night, but Kayvon Thibodeau's not been the top five guy. And they spent two top 10 picks on an offensive and defensive line. And neither one of them has particularly like lined up or, or has really met the expectation so far through, a, you know, one year and some change of their NFL careers. And there's been flashes like Kayvon really took a step up towards the end of last year. And maybe we'll see more of that as this season progresses, but that secondary is terrible. Wink Martindale's blitzing at like record rates because they know that they don't have the back end talent to keep up with wide receivers in the NFL, especially if you're going up against DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba. But out of the guys that you're facing, like think about the teams in this division, right? In the Giants division alone, you got AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. You got all those weapons. You got CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, uh, Brandon Cooks for the Cowboys. You got Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and Logan Thomas. And you got these teams that can throw the ball on you at will, but also can run the ball. And like, if you're not 
if you're blitzing as much as you are and you're still getting beat in the run game, you're still getting beat in the pass game. I and mean, this Bears defense or this Giants defense through four weeks looks like one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Yeah. And I, I don't see and that's the part of it too, where it's like if they could play like they did in the second half of last year, which their defense was looking really, really good. They were generating a ton of pressure. They're one of the top run defenses in the NFL at the end of last year. To now, you know, you can you can do okay with Danny Dimes as your quarterback. As it's kind of similar to like what New England's going through right now, where the defense is playing well, but you can't chase leads. Like you have to be ahead and you have to be able to run the ball. You have to be able to at least consistently control the game. If you're asking Danny Dimes. To, to chase a, a, a 10, 14 point lead, this team's going to continue to lose games. And so far through four weeks, the Giants look like they might be one of the bottom feeders in the NFL, which is a far cry from my prediction at the beginning of the year, which is like, I believed in Brian Dable. I like Brian Dable as a coach. This team yeah. looks and feels completely different. And, you know, the feel part of it is one of those things where you, you know, you can look up stats and go with that, but like sometimes teams just look different. And this team is very highly penalized, one of the most penalized teams in the league. They're making small mistakes. Their quarterback has regressed after he did last year, which still wasn't even that great. The wide receiver talent, I know they drafted Jalen Hyatt. He hasn't been super good. Um, Yeah, I think this Giants team is just – I think they're the worst team in the NFC East. And I was very wrong. I was just very wrong about them. The other side of it, the Seahawks, this Seahawks team, now they're 3-1. and they beat a really good Lions team in an, an, an epic game. Uh, they they lose week one, but three and one, Geno Smith is looking comfortable. I know he got a little banged up in that game, but he's going to be good to go moving forward. Uh, the wide receivers, I mean, Tyler Lockett, like when is that dude just going to stop being good? Like he is just. I mean, we say it every week almost at this point. <laughs> it is. I mean, right. it, it's he's the guy in fantasy who gets drafted in like the sixth or seventh round and ends up being a top 15, top 20 wide receiver in fantasy every single year. Uh, DK looks really, really good. Having Jack Jackson Smith and Jigba looks good. Kenneth Walker staying healthy. He's been awesome. The offensive line, despite losing the right tackle, has been really good. But, the, the, I mean, the story of that game Monday night was the amount of pressure they were able to generate on Daniel Jones. Um, what was the total number of sacks in that game? Wasn't it like seven or eight? Eleven. Eleven. Jesus Christ. Um, which is a really good sign if you're looking at this, this uh, Seahawks defense because yeah. – that was that's their like, heel last year. That's like, yeah, absolutely. And boy, Amafi has turned in from week one, where it's like, is this guy going to be good or not? To week four, he's looking like a dominant pass rusher. I think the Seahawks are for real. So, on one hand, I was completely wrong about the Giants. On the other hand, I think I might have been pretty dead on with my uh, Seahawks prediction, as as I think I had them as the number one uh, wild card team. Uh, yeah, you did. I believe I yeah yeah you did because I joked about you making them the division winner and no you you were sensible about it. Well, I did uh, have look, them as I had them at the same <laughs> record. That's right. Yeah, I had and you were like no. <laughs> so I'm pulling up my my predictions. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with you, man. Especially as good as that that secondary is uh, for Seattle if they stay healthy and they have a decent pass rush. Pass rush. Sorry, man. Mar- mouthful of marbles. Pass Pass rush. Rush. Um, I think that this <laughs> sounded like blue holes. <laughs> no offense. Uh, uh, I think that, that, that will make their team. Obviously it makes their team that much better and more, more, uh, more of a threat, but like, again, it's the health for me and I, I would pump the brakes on Seattle. I'm not saying that just because I'm a Niners fan. I'm saying it because that 
their best win was a shootout against the Detroit Lions. Um, who we we think they're good, but we really have no idea how good the Lions actually are. Um, I might be different by the end of the year if they end up with that that three or four seed, uh, winning the the NFC North. Then I'll you know look back at at Seattle in the first six weeks of the season and go, oh okay, they were they were actually pretty good. Um, but for now, I'm I'm still kind of pumping the brakes on them. Still a threat, but I'm I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. Yeah, and look, they're also. They're one of the teams that get their first buy this week. Um, this is the first week we have with buys, but it's like, how are we already at that point? That seems crazy. Um, but we are. Uh, the one difference I'll say, too, is like this: the secondary for Seattle is really freaking good. Devin Witherspoon is a dog. Um, yeah. it, it seems like he's like they obviously we know um, on the other side of the uh, of the ball. Why am I? Why am I? Quandre Diggs is that his name. Yeah. Um, He's been really good, right? Uh, and he was really good as a rookie last year. He was a true number one corner as like a third-round pick last year. Now you get in Devin Witherspoon, you feel really good about your outside, which they're going to need in that division too, whether it's you know obviously San Francisco with the skill position guys there. Um, but even more importantly than that, like you're going up against the Rams, who have been pretty fun, and the Seahawks lost to the Rams week one. But after that, I mean, 37 points on Carolina, 37 points against Detroit, 24 against the Giants. Uh, and it felt like they probably could have scored more against the Giants if Geno Smith doesn't get out there. Bobby Wagner back in the middle of that defense. Um, I I understand what you're saying, and having an early bye week doesn't help with the health side of things, but Geno Smith uh, getting an extra week to make sure he comes back in week six completely healthy is is, is a good sign. But I, I think as of right now, if you were to rank, like what teams do you think will end up as, as the top wildcard teams, you know, It'll be whoever doesn't win the NFC East between Philly and Dallas, probably. And then Seattle, I think, would be right there. You know, and I think Seattle's three and one. Like if they end up with a 10, 11 win season, they could very easily be the five seed, but probably more likely is going to slide in there as the six seed, which uh, is where you had them. So um, because Detroit's going to win that division, there's no one else in the NFC North that you're worried about. The Rams could flirt with it. We'll see how the rest of their season comes up. They have a tough test on Sunday going up against the, the Eagles. Um, no one in the NFC South, do you think? So really, I feel like Seattle and then whoever doesn't win the NFC East will be the top two seeds in the uh, out of the wild cards in the NFC. And then that seventh spot is kind of open for, you know, maybe the Rams, maybe the Commanders, um, maybe Green Bay if they can kind of turn things around. But um, yeah, it'll be fun to see. All right, let's get to week uh, five in our games for this week. Let's update everybody, too, on the picks. Um, so far in the season, Scotty, uh, you haven't made a pick since week two. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's all good. You were busy. So overall record, uh, you are 16, 14, and two. Vito only has, has only made picks for week one. He did submit his, his lock picks. Um, so Vito's nine and seven. I'm 31, 29, and three on the season so far this year. So we're hanging right above there. Uh, had a, had a kind of rough week this week, seven and nine with my picks against the spread. But again, like I'll take that. I'll t- if, if I'm hanging right around like above 500, that's, that's a win. Um, and then for our lock so far, Scotty, you are three and three vetoes, two and one. And I am six and three um, in the speed pod last week. I forgot to give my locks because I didn't want to miss a flight. So that was uh, top priority then. My apologies, but we are ready to roll here. Thursday night football, Bears, Commanders. The Commanders, six-point favorites at home. 
This line feels about right. Uh, and honestly, if you really believe in Washington, which I am starting to, uh, this number seems low. Uh, and it's six points, no hook. I mean, you're, we're basically talking a touchdown covers it here. I think the commanders defensively against the really bad Bears offensive line, that D line should be really, really good. Um, it's just a matter of is Justin Fe- Fields going to play fuck it football where he just takes it and breaks off 30, 40 yard runs and, and tries to take over the game. Uh, I think the commander's offense is good. And I think four weeks in what they did against the Eagles last week, which again, like I know quick passes against the Eagles to help neutralize the pass rush has been the way to kind of beat them. But even still like Baker Mayfield wasn't able to get the ball out quick. Um, you look at, you know, the game against uh, Mac Jones, you know, he was able to get the ball out quick, but they still were making mistakes because that pressure was just so intense. I think this offense and Sam Howell, I mean, they looked as good as anybody against the Eagles offensively, right? And the commanders, I think, with Eric Bieniemy four weeks in, it feels like Sam Howell's starting to get a good feel for the offense. The offensive line's playing well. He's making big boy throws when he needs to. Jahan Dotson has been really, really good so far. Obviously, Terry McLaurin is like that under-talked-about true number one wide receiver. I don't think the Bears have the horsepower. I'm taking the Commanders in this game. I love the Commanders minus six at home. Uh, the Bears coming off of a short week. That whole organization's in complete disarray. I like the commies to cover the six uh, on <laughs> Thursday night. Oh, yeah. I love that. I said, I said that the other night when we were watching the game on Red Zone, and my, my wife just turns her head abruptly. Commies? What do you mean commies? Yeah, the so commies. That's what, that's what Jeff calls them on the podcast, so I'm adopting it. I'm with you. Uh, I, I I don't know, man. I This, to me, seems like one of those games, and, and I've lived in the D.C. area long enough to know that if the commanders are playing well, everything looks right, there's a game where they just don't play. Like, yeah. they should play against a really inferior opponent. Um, I don't know if that continues this year. My suspicion is that it does, and, and they end up somewhere around 500 because of it. Um, but this, to me, seems like a game that that they... It's just one of those games that they drop for no, for no reason at all. Uh, on top of that, if you know, I think Justin Fields, the 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 amount of pressure that that Washington's going to generate will allow Justin Fields to run the ball more and play a little more fucking football, like you said. Uh, let him be the hero a little bit, and I think, I think, based on what we've seen over the first four weeks and especially last week, his connection with Cole Komet is going to be very important in this game too, because uh, he, not only did he have two touchdowns, he had over eighty yards, seven catches. So I think that sort of thing, if you're looking for fields to be able to throw the ball he's not going to have enough time to throw the ball deep uh in this one i don't think uh, i think some of those short intermediate passes uh to cole Komet will will help move the ball a little more six in the hook that's a lot for a rookie quarterback even at home but in prime time i'm down There's with no uh, i'm down with, it's just six. Oh, six. yeah still uh I'm, I'm still down with the bears in this it's a it's such a suicidal pick but <laughs> So I mean, you want to I, commit Sapuka. Uh No, <laughs> uh, I'm going with the Bears, though. <laughs> I, I understand the, the logic behind it. I guess, for, like, the way I look at it is, like, the new ownership stuff, like, th- there's energy, and, and I'm sure you feel it too, but, like, I live a little bit closer to D.C. I'm in D.C. every day. Like, the energy around Commanders fans is completely different, and so much of that is because there's no more Dan Snyder, like, no question. Yeah. But and- the, the bigger thing to me is, like, Riverboat Ron, which I don't think we can call him that anymore after not going for the two point conversion uh, when he should have gone for it to try to win the game against the Eagles. Um, 
but that offense, like half of that team is Eric Bannemi right now. You know, like I, I love yeah. Ron Rivera. He seems to make one of the most likable guys throughout the NFL. But Eric Bieniemy is the one running that offense, right? He may not have final decisions on stuff. And look, if this comes down to a two-point conversion poll or not, then like, yeah, the Bears are going to end up covering either way. To me, like what happened to the Bears in the second half of that game against uh, the, the Broncos is uh, – that's exactly why I'm not going to touch the Bears. Because the Bears, yeah. the Bears looked so good in that first half last week. Justin Fields absolutely diming balls up and down, left and right in that first half. They, they're they not a defense that can hold the lead. And the thing with the commanders, and this is like the thing that no one talks about, because like I love Sam Howell, and I've obviously been spending more time focusing on him and those wide receivers. The thing with this offense that really makes me believe is very simply the running game. Like Brian Robinson is not the flashiest running back. He's not McCaffrey. He's not Saquon. He's not one of those game changers. But he will just wear defenses down. And the Bears yeah. are terrible run defense, in addition to the fact that, you know, Russell Wilson was lighting them up last week with inferior weapons compared to what the commanders have. So to me, I understand where you're coming from because if, if it is a, a, a fuck you, I'm just taking over this game and figuring shit out on my own that Justin Fields does. You're right. This does feel like a random game the commanders lose. But I like the commanders. I think they win big. I think the Bears on a short week with no defensive coordinator, uh, I think they're going to struggle. So. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. If the Bears win, beers are on me uh, at yeah. the course next time. Okay. Yes. Or if the Bears cover the the six. The six. I love some of the props in this game too. By the way, if you're betting, Justin Fields over point five zero point five interceptions, you can get a plus one hundred two. Cole Komet over thirty and a half receiving yards at minus one twenty is a slam dunk to me. And Brian Robinson anytime touchdown at plus one hundred odds. I mean that those are yeah. some juicy juicy picks. Love uh, the Brian team. Robinson pick. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a play they get down to the goal line and they just pump it in with him. Because um, the one the one weakness that I really wasn't sure about with the commanders coming in was the offensive line. And through the first three games, they looked fucking terrible. And then next thing you know, the Eagles come in with that vaunted defensive line and Sam Howell's just getting the ball out quick, getting the ball out quick. And you're playing a, a team in the Bears that has very, very little pass rushing ability. Um, so yeah, I, I like the commanders, but again, Justin Fields could have one of those games. It could just be one of those weird Thursday night drunk games between two bad teams and something random happens. So, uh, all right, Monday, uh, Sunday morning, Jags Bills. This is a this is a snake of a freaking line, man. Uh, Bills minus five and a half. Um, I still don't feel great about the Jags. I know they 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 won a game, but I still don't feel great about the way that they looked against Atlanta. And I know Atlanta's a frisky team, but like the fact that that game was even a ball game in the third quarter is to me like a, a, a bigger problem with where this Jacksonville team is at. Buffalo, on the other hand, coming off of like three straight monster wins and beating the shit out of the Dolphins last week, it feels like this is a trap game, which is why I think this line is really low. But I said the same thing about the, the Dolphins and Broncos game, right? And, and the, the Dolphins were a six and a half point favorite. That line seemed crazy low to me, and it was one of those rack games, right? It's one of those games where Vegas wants you to take them because they know something you don't. And at the end, like I switched. I was going to avoid it, and then I switched back. I said, no, I'm taking the Dolphins, and they won by 50. Now, granted, I don't expect that to happen in this game, but Josh Allen's been the best player in the NFL, arguably not named Christian McCaffrey or Micah Parsons through four first four weeks of the season definitely in the last three weeks i think he's been the best quarterback we've seen so far in the nfl this season 
that offense and their ability to run the ball has been really good. If there's one way that you can kind of help neutralize Jacksonville's defense, it's running the football. We saw that uh, even Atlanta was able to move the ball on the ground a little bit. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Vaughn Miller was at practice this week. I, he's not playing in this game yet, but it's nice to see him back. I feel like the Bills have something cooking here. I know it's a rat line, but I'm taking the Bills, and it's going to be one of my locks of the week. Uh, Ooh. Because to me, the Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team. I, I really believe like this year's version of the Bills feels completely different than the version of the Bills we've seen in the past. And I'm I'm just I'm all in on them. I'm all in on them. And the Jags haven't looked great. They kind of got back together, you know, last week. To me, five and a half seems dangerously low. The only thing you can talk about is hey, they flew out to London this week, the jet lag. Jags, that's like a home game for them. Um, they've been out there. Their bodies are used to it. I, But I, I still just think the Bills are that much better. So I'm going to take the Bills minus the five and a half, and it's going to be my first block of the week as well. Well done. Uh, I'm not quite there with you on the Bills yet. I mean, it, it to me, it has to go deep, at least deeper, but definitely deep into the season for me to, to have any confidence there because we've said the same thing in years past where it's like, oh, look, all of a sudden the Bills are 4-0, 3-1, 5-2, 6-7, or 6-1, uh, and, and and we think that they're they're among the elite tier, and then they get to that point where they have the big game and they flop, or they get to the playoffs and that's the big game uh, that they haven't been tested yet and they flop. So I need more. <clears throat> From them, uh, I I think there's potential there. I do think they're uh, they look different for sure than they have in years past. Uh, we'll see if that continues for the Jaguars. I think that the ability to to be able to have the balanced offense and control the line of scrimmage and control the ball, keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, is going to help them. Uh, they're very good at that. And for his, uh, what their record is, the Jaguars' defense is playing lights out. Their top five in success rate allowed and EPA per play. Uh, they've been opportunistic. They have nine takeaways this season. Uh, and you know, if, if the recipe is, and it has been is hey, let's let Josh Allen sling the ball a little bit more instead of using his legs so much, the Jaguars can be opportunistic there. And, and I think there's, there's some, uh, some potential for, for, uh, Josh Allen to have a few, a uh, few more interceptions than he's had, uh, over the, of the beginning, uh, part of the third of the season here. So, um, I think that uh, all, all factored in. I think the Jaguars are going to be able to to hang on to the ball long enough and, and be balanced enough, especially if they they continue to use, use the run the way that they have. Uh, and, and Trevor Lawrence gets it done, uh, win outright in London, which is basically a home game for the Jaguars at this point. Uh, I'm taking the Jags. Yeah, this is like the exact line I would have set if we were like if you were like predict what you think the spreads are going to be you know, before week one for the entire season, this is like about where I probably would have landed based yeah. off of what we were anticipating from the Jags and the bills. It probably would have been even maybe a little bit lower to me. Like the big improvement with the bills has been the line of scrimmage. The defensive line has been dominating. Uh, I don't trust the Jags offensive line to be able to stop the pass rush and Trevor Lawrence. I kind of was expecting to see better things out of him so far. And no Tredavious white, obviously kills the bills in this game uh and for the rest of the season because he was playing really really well i still think the bills top to bottom are a better football team if you're giving me you know a touchdown covers the spread i'm gonna take the Bills. so uh all right up next texans falcons right now the falcons are a two-point favorite at home 
this is a good week. If you if you look at what you've seen through four weeks with the Texans, two and two could be three and one uh, if they had played a little bit better in that game against the Colts. But the last two weeks, CJ Stroud out here balling his ass off. Uh, the Falcons, obviously, AJ Terrell is a really, really good player. The back end of that Falcons defense has been good. They've kept them in games. But the one thing I don't buy with this Falcons team is the offense. Like, I wanted so bad for Desmond Ritter to be good because he was one of my favorite college players. Uh, I love that Cincinnati team. And he's just been bad. He's just been flat out bad. Uh, the one thing with this Texans team is like, a really mobile quarterback like Anthony Richardson, they've struggled so far, but I know D'Amico Ryan's is coaching this defense up. And for a really young defense, who's got some really talented players across the board, they've really shown out in the last couple of weeks. If you really believe in the Texans and CJ Stroud and everything we've seen, this is about, this could be one of the last times you get them as an underdog, not only as an underdog, but if they come out and play this game, like they did against Pittsburgh, because to me, the, 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 the Falcons offense and the Pittsburgh offense operates very similarly, right? Quarterbacks who are not seeing the field, who are struggling, not great offensive lines, um, though, albeit the Falcons have been slightly better than what Pittsburgh's been. And I actually like Pittsburgh's skill guys on the outside better with George Pickens. I know Deontay Johnson has been super healthy. The Falcons, obviously, you know, you have Drake London, Bijan, uh, Tyler Algier. I think this is going to come down to if the Texans can stop the run. And if the Texans can do that, then I think the Texans are going to be a really, really frisky team uh, continually. Will Anderson is doing really, really well in the pass rush. Uh, and, and so far, the one thing we could say through the first five games, the last four of last year and the first one of this year about Desmond Ritter is that he hasn't turned the ball over. And all he's done in the last three games has been turn the ball over. I don't think you can do that. I think the Texans are, are a really fun, young, energetic team that defense I think is playing up to snuff. They're two-point underdogs on the road. If you believe in the Texans, I think you take them here because I think this is a really favorable line. And I'm saying right now I believe in the Texans. I think they're going to be a frisky team throughout the entire season. I'm taking the Texans plus two on the road against the Falcons. I believe in the Texans, and I'm not going to take them in this game because I think the defense for the Falcons is good enough that it's the best defense that CJ Stroud have seen so far, I think. Um, and I believe that that is enough to, to confuse, uh, confuse him a little bit on the field. He's proven that he can sling the ball with, uh, with anyone, but, uh, but when you face a, a defense like this, especially on the back end of it, makes it a lot more difficult for, uh, for, for him to get guys open, uh, for him to, to throw guys open. And, and I, I don't think that they'll be able to have the rushing attack that they've been able to, to open some of that up. I think the Falcons use Bijan on offense in, in ways we've seen more of him in the past game than we have in the run game over, over the past couple of weeks. I think that continues. I think they utilize him in the, in, in the passing game out of the backfield more. Uh, and they need to start getting Drake London involved too. And Kyle Pitts, because those guys have been open and they're just not getting the ball. If Desmond Ritter can continue to not turn the ball over, I think they're in business and two points at home uh, seems like an Atlanta special. Uh, almost like a, the the game in the NFC or the AFC South that we're going to talk about in a minute here, uh, but uh, two points at home. I'm going to take the Falcons uh, to to cover that. All right, uh, Falcons. They did play Jacksonville. They did put 37 up on Jacksonville, um, but at the same time, you know that was a divisional game and kind of one of those weird ones. Um, 
So, all right. But yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with my pick. Um, next up, the Detroit Lions hosting the Carolina Panthers. And the Lions are a 10-point favorite. 10-point favorite. I'm trying to, I was trying to do some research and find when the last time the Lions were a double-digit favorite in the NFL. Um, but that's crazy. Um, 10 points against the, you know, and again, not that the Panthers are good or like we should be surprised, but that's just a really, really big line. And I, I, I have not been able to find the last time the lines are, but this is very indicative of how good this Lions team has been. But this is also a test, right? Because even in the NFL, even when we look at the Panthers and we say, all right, the Panthers are one of the top three worst teams in the NFL, it's still NFL, right? So a double-digit spread in the NFL is really, really hard to cover. The Lions at minus 10, this is an opportunity for the Lions to prove, hey, we are legit. Like, hey, we just went out and smacked our division rival on Thursday Night Football last week. We're getting a long, you know, mini break, little mini buy here. And now we're going to go up. We're going to play Carolina. We're, host, or, yeah, we're hosting the Panthers, 10-point favorites. Can you get the job done? If you can get the job done and prove that you can – take a bad team and beat them down into submission and win by 15, 20 points. That says a lot about where this Lions team are at. The the usual Lions we're used to, even in the Matt Stafford era, when they were good, would have these letdown games, would have these games where they're they're losing to inferior teams or, or they're letting games stay closer than they should. Uh, so far, Bryce Young has been struggling. I don't see that getting any better against a really good Lions pass rush. Uh, the secondary for the Lions is also playing really, really well. And on top of it, too, the Panthers' defense has been frisky at times, but they've also gotten lit up for some points here, too, including the 37 against the Seattle Seahawks. I like the Lions here, minus 10. It's a big number, but I think this is a, hey, we are for real game here for the Detroit Lions. I'm taking the Lions minus 10. Nice. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. And I think the the defense is going to be – uh, is going to be the key point for the Lions. I think the way that their secondary is played with Byron Branch, especially leading the way, uh, their defensive line is elite, as we know. Uh, I think that alone keeps this spread w- well in play uh, at 10 because the offense can move the ball. Amon Ra's banged up. We know how well they can run the ball. They haven't used Jameer Gibbs as effectively as they had. I just talked about Bijan Robinson get more involved in the pass game. I think they get Jameer Gibbs more involved in the pass game on the Detroit side because uh, we know what David Montgomery can do when he's healthy. On top of that, they get Jameson Williams back, and I think that's going to be uh, a positive boon for uh, for Jared Goff and his offense. He's already one of the most efficient quarterbacks uh, by every statistical measure in the NFL uh, and across the NFL. Uh, and I think that continues uh, the deeper hit that his wide receiver core gets, even with a, a banged up Amon Ross. So I'm going to take the the explosive offense that we know can score and the defense that we know can shut down a really inferior opponent and a rookie quarterback who struggled uh, for Carolina. So Detroit uh, minus 10 for sure. And and I'll add on top of that too. I was, I was doing some deep dives on, on the lions this week, actually. And, do you know the last time uh, a rookie tight end has been as good as Sam Laporta? George Kittle. Through four games, Sam Laporta is the best rookie tight end since Mike Ditka in the 1950s. Oh, wow. Think about think about that. 
Like That's what crazy. an absolutely absurd, <laughs> like so far, I think he's got like 300 plus receiving yards. He's got two touchdowns. They're using him and he's been an automatic fit. He's been helpful in the running game for them as well. That's the one thing I think we're also not, I mean, like Jameer Gibbs hasn't been unbelievable. You know, who's been really good for them. David Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's, that's health. Like we've seen him tear his ACL. What it feels like almost every year he's tearing it uh, or he's banged up with some kind he's of. He's always injured. Injury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and I think they'll be able to, to, to run the ball at will, uh, you know, and even if they, they don't, they've got, they've got Jared Goff with a, with a replenished wide receiving core um, to, I, I also want to, uh, to put this one as one of my locks of the week, Ooh. Detroit minus 10. Detroit minus 10. Scotty's first lock. He's taking the Lions. It's a big spread to I be uh, to be taken as a lock. But, hey, that's that's saying we're believers of the Lions, and I think we, we're all uh, believers of the Lions uh, on, this, uh, on this podcast. So uh, up next, Titans-Colts. I know you love to take the the Titans when they're in that that two point area. Right now they're minus two, and uh, I have a feeling I know where you're going with this one, Scotty. Oh yeah, it's just uh, don't even why bother analyzing. Titans two is an absolute lock. That's my second lock of the week. Give me the Titans minus two. I just like the 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 one thing on defense that's been good is the pass rush. I don't think they need to pass the ball much. Uh, if Derrick Henry continues to run the ball like he did last week, and I think he will, they're going to be in business. And that defense is going to force Anthony Richardson to run the ball and make him be the guy. Uh, I don't anticipate uh, that that the Titans will uh, will let up a ton of points. And even if you know you let up two touchdowns uh, and give up two touchdowns, Anthony Richardson, fine, let let him go get his. It's like in basketball, right? Like you're not going to stop Steph Curry. Let him get his thirty. Stop the other four on the floor. Right. Um, and so I think that uh, you're, you're seeing something similar here where, uh, where they just let Anthony Richardson get his, uh, force him to throw the ball, uh, and let him get whatever he can on the ground because, uh, he's not been efficient throwing the ball this season. Um, and I don't think that continues against the, the tough defense that, uh, that the Titans will present two at home is, or two on the road, rather, is still an absolute lock for me. I love the Titans in this range. Uh, so far through four games, the Titans have been a three-point favorite or underdog in all four. They are currently three and one against the spread. Uh, they barely covered against New Orleans with that last-second field goal. Uh, they barely covered against the Chargers. Uh, it's twenty-seven to twenty-four win. They did not cover against the Browns when they got shit pumped twenty-seven to three. And then they came out as a three-point underdog to the Bengals, and they won that game twenty-seven to three. Uh, this to me feels like, and what this entire season so far for the Titans has been, has been Jekyll and Hyde, right? What version are we going to get? Um, I think this Titans defense is going to struggle against Anthony Richardson. All right. Anthony Richardson. I know that the only comp we could really give him coming out of college was Cam Newton because of the size and speed, but he's bigger and faster with a stronger arm than even Cam Newton was. But I think Cam Newton was a more polished player. The difference is 12 years ago when Cam Newton was a rookie, the NFL operated in a very different way. And Ron Rivera, when he was the head coach of the Panthers and they drafted Cam Newton, like they weren't running super easy offenses. Um, and Cam Newton just kind of had to take over games with his legs, which he did, which is why he holds the record for so many rookie passing stuff uh, and, and so many rookie records uh, at the quarterback position. 
Anthony Richardson has been really good. And I know he hasn't been as impressive as uh, CJ Stroud in terms of delivering the football, getting the ball out on time, all that stuff. But I really like Anthony Richardson. And we saw what they did in that comeback. I think the Titans are a Jekyll and Hyde team. I think some games are going to look great. Some games are going to look like shit. Right now, they're on track to look like shit in this game after they looked really good last week. I think the Colts are really frisky. I think that defense is good. I think the Titans' offense is crap. Uh, you know, the injuries and everything that was going on with the Browns, like the Browns laid down in that, or, uh, the Bengals, sorry, laid down in that game and the defense, there's just nothing they could do. I think the Colts defense is playing with a lot of heart, a lot of excitement. I love the Colts as a two point underdog this week, flirted with the idea of having them be one of my locks of the week, ultimately decided against it. Uh, I don't want to bet on a rookie quarterback as a lock of the week, but I'm going to take the Colts as a two point underdog at home. Nice. I'm buying. I'm buying what I'm seeing. Both the Texans and the Colts, I, man. I, I I had really really low expectations for both of those teams going into the the season, and they have already surpassed what I thought. So I'm just I'm buying in low. Like if I can buy in on yeah, the bottom floor no, with smart. the Falcon, with the with the Texans and the Colts, I'm going to do that. So I'm taking the Colts. Nice. Yeah. No. I, I I don't hate it. Like it's an AFC South matchup. They got a defense that's 11th in EPA allowed per play. They're playing better. They're getting more complete. I I, I don't hate that pick at home at all. And, uh, and Tannehill's just been really weird, like, this whole season. Like, yeah. there's a couple of moments where he's hit on some deep shots, and if Derrick Henry's running the ball well, like, that's going to be the recipe for them to win some games. I do think the Titans' defense has been pretty good, but I just think Anthony Richardson's such, such a tough guy to game plan for because you just have no idea what he's going to be, you know? So, I, I – so far, Hyde. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and I just, I think, I think Anthony Richardson's just, he's a difference maker with his, what he is on the field. I mean, he's the best athlete on every single field he steps on and he's your quarterback. I mean, that's just, that's hard. And historically, when we've said that about quarterbacks in the NFL, Randall Cunningham, Steve Young, um, you know, Mike Vick, you can go through the whole list of Cam Newton, like all these guys who are like freaks of nature physically, when they're the best athlete on the field, they end up having pretty good careers. And I, I'm I'm just I'm a believer in Anthony Richardson. I, I, maybe not long term, um, but I think he's going to continue to 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 grow here. I like them. Uh, I like them on money line too. I don't know what their line is, what the what the value is for the money line, but uh, I, I'm 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 going to be sprinkling a little bit on the Colts this week, um, which means I'll probably backfire. Uh, all right, Giants, Dolphins. Dolphins are minus eleven here. This is a you know, do you have a backbone game for the Giants, right? If, if the Giants can can turn their season around, which they need to desperately, um, if the Giants are going to do it, they have to put up some sort of fight. Unfortunately, they are taking uh, – they, they have about the worst matchup they could after a game like that against Seattle where you're playing arguably the best offense in the NFL, at least one of the top two or three best offenses in the NFL, and a team that just got spanked by division rival. So the Dolphins are going to come into this game pissed off, firing on all cylinders. I think the Dolphins are going to blow the doors off of the the Giants. 11 points is a lot. You always get those backdoor covers that I could see the Giants fucking around with. But after what we saw on Monday night, um, I mean, so far, like at least two out of the four games of the Giants season so far this year have been absolute dog shit. They should be 0-4 if it wasn't for the miraculous, like, history-setting comeback against the Cardinals in Week 2. Um, I think the Dolphins here, minus 11, is is honestly probably even a little low for what it should be. So I'm rolling with the Dolphins all day, uh, and it's also going to be my second lock of the week. I considered doing it too, and 
Uh, it's probably a smaller lock than the, than the lines at minus 10. Um, but with you, man. Um, over time for them to run into an offense that just got like ran into a brick wall against a really good Buffalo team uh, in the Miami Dolphins. So uh, I think you're right. I think they're going to come out guns, guns blazing. Um, I think they're going to be, be ready to rip. They're way too fast for this giants defense, which has done yes. absolutely nothing in the past game or uh, past coverage game this season. Uh, De- Devon HN has, has done whatever he wants on the ground. And Oh, by the way, they have Raheem Mostert who's killing it too. Uh, on the ground as well. So I think Mike McDaniel and that offense is going to be able to do whatever the hell they want against that defense. Can the defense hold up if Saquon Barkley comes back? And then if you're the Giants, like I think you have to to consider rushing him back a little bit uh, because they're in, they're in dire straits right now. Uh, and this is a, a, a Dolphins defense that's shown they're vulnerable, vulnerable against the run. So uh, maybe you rush him back a week early just to to give yourself a chance in this one. But um, I don't know. I just I th- I tend to agree with you that the Dolphins' offense is just going to come out like <laughs> hair on fire. Um, so I'm going to take you, the Dolphins to cover as well. You, you said the magic word there, and it's speed, right? Like if you look at the Giants, what is the one thing we talked about them all last year, right? It's like there's no team speed. Like their fastest player on defense mm-hmm. is Kayvon Thibodeau, right? Like this team can't stop the run. The Dolphins have been able to have their way with teams in the running game so far all season. There's no one on that defense. There's no one on the offense because that's the thing about the Dolphins series. Their defense is moving, is running crazy fast, right? And this is all before Jalen Ramsey is supposed to come back, in which I think the Dolphins will take another step up. Um, the Dolphins need a get-right game defensively. I don't trust uh, Daniel Jones as far as I can throw him. And ultimately, the team speed of the Dolphins versus the team speed of the Giants. Like, the Giants look like one of the slowest teams in the NFL when they play, and the Dolphins are the fastest team in the NFL when they play. The motion at the line of scrimmage, I was just listening to a great interview uh, with Julian Edelman talking about uh, pre-snap motion and, like, getting really, really nerdy football stuff uh, on the Ryan Rosillo podcast. It was fascinating uh, to watch that game or to watch listen to that whole podcast. And that's something that the Dolphins are doing that I just – I don't think the Giants have enough team speed to hold up. I, I To me, this feels like the Dolphins are going to win by 21 or more. Um, so I'm going to take the Dolphins here, minus 11. And it is my second lock of the week. Uh, all right, from my lock of the week to a game that I want zero part of, Saints at Patriots. Um, <laughs> this this is going to be the game that gets forgotten about on uh, on Red Zone because just nobody wants to watch it. If you have a multi- take the under. <laughs> Yeah, I, I this game is going to be ugly. Both defenses are playing well, but Christian Gonzalez and Matt Judon both out for the New England Patriots. So basically their two best defensive players are out. Um, Mac Jones looks terrible. Bailey Zappi had to come in for them in this game. I would expect to see uh, that again because like the Saints defense has actually been pretty frisky this year. I don't understand why you're starting Derek Carr. Um, like at, at this point, the Derek, Derek Carr with a sprained AC joint versus Jameis like I I know Jameis has the propensity to turn the ball over from time to time but that makes no sense to me so uh I don't really want to pick one here because I don't like it and there's a reason it's a one-point spread you could say New England because they're at home um the Saints in a game where I thought they were going to win against Tampa Bay last week uh, ends up getting their shit pumped 
by uh, by Baker Mayfield. If we see Jameis at some point in this game, if Derek Carr maybe looks a little bit better, I do think the Saints are the better football team so far through four weeks of the season. So I am going to take the Saints because I think if you just if you average it out like Madden scores, right? The Saints' offense is probably like a seventy-five. Their defense is probably like an eighty-five, and then the but like the Patriots' offense is probably like a sixty-five. You know, they're not going to be able to run the ball against the Saints. Uh, Mac Jones can't throw the ball. I don't see the Patriots scoring many points in this game. Uh, defensively, if the Patriots are fully healthy, I would take the Pats. But their two best defensive players are out in this game. So I'm going to take the Saints plus one on the road in New England. And it's two critical uh, defenders, too, not only just because of how well they've played, but Christian Gonzalez and uh, and Matt Judon are the two guys who would be able to help drop in coverage and protect some of that short game that Alvin Kamara is good at right? Yeah. in the, in the passing game. He caught 11 passes last week for, for 70 something yards uh, or 50 something yards. It was thir- 13 for 13 33. Catches. That's right. Yeah. It, Cause he um, remember he broke the NFL record for most receptions right. with the least amount of yards. That's right. So I, I would expect that there's, there's, a fair amount of volume that way uh, because they're, they're going to be depleted on the, on those second levels uh, where Alvin Kamara can get in. Um, and, and on top of that, the the saints defense is just better right now when, whether the Patriots were healthy or not, I think the saints defense is not going to be able to let Mac Jones throw the ball effectively. And I don't think that the, the Patriots have uh, so far committed to the run enough and even if they did you're right i think that that they wouldn't be able to move the ball on the ground very effectively anyway so i'm going to take the saints on the road yeah. i mean and just look at the skill guy matchup alone right like ramondre stevenson and uh who's uh, kendrick Bourne are probably the two best hunter henry maybe are probably like the three best skill guys for the patriots uh the quarterback even with the sprained ac joint i still think Derek carr is better than mac jones i still think Jameis winston out there would be better than mac jones um, but at least they have Kamara. They have Chris Olave. Michael Thomas has looked somewhat serviceable as a number two wide receiver. You know, he's nowhere near what he was uh, when he was like the best wide receiver in the NFL, but still really, really solid player. Um, if they get uh, Juwan Johnson to be able to play in this game at tight end, he's a little banged up right now. That's going to say something too. Um, but I just, I like the backfield having Kamara back the rookie kid that they have uh, has been, solid when he's been in um but then yeah i mean it's chris Olave and michael thomas versus kendrick Bourne, and I, I don't even know who douglas there's someone demario douglas or something is the other wide receiver for the pats um to me if you're just doing the checkbox game where you go through each position you put a check on each side who's better who's worse the the saints are better across the board so uh i like them plus one on the road all right this next game I, i'm dreading having to pick this game uh ravens at pittsburgh this this feels like Pittsburgh all the way. Am I wrong? Does this not feel like the exact spot where the Steelers win a game like 20 to 17, ugly? Lamar has a couple of fumbles. TJ Watt gets a strip sack. Mike Mika Fitzpatrick like has a pick six. Um, I know how bad the Steelers offense has looked, and I still don't think Deontay Johnson's coming back for this game. So, like, all logic should tell you to pick the Ravens here because the Ravens have looked good. Lamar's looked really good. But this is like you're going to Pittsburgh. It's an AFC North game. You know Mike Tomlin, after getting their ass whooped by a rookie quarterback, is going to have that defense, like, humming in this game. I also, like, 
I don't know. Like I, one of the things uh, Rosillo did this really, really great intro about how um, quarterbacks who are drafted in the first round who go to a second team end up like never actually working out like to before this season so far, Ryan Tannehill was like the best first round quarterback to go to another team and have sustained success somewhere else. Um, but now this year you're seeing Baker do it and you're seeing uh, Jared Goff do it with the lions as well. In that whole rant and that whole monologue, he was talking about Lamar Jackson and how if you look at his numbers spread out, and even if you like project for the games that he missed, but based off of the way he was playing in those games, his MVP season is the biggest outlier of like any quarterback we have in the NFL. Like that season was so much better than any other year we've seen from Lamar. I know the offenses looked efficient, and there's been moments where it's looked really good and I thought they were going to come in and look more like how the Dolphins have looked, where it was going to be speed and they were going to put up a ton of points and Lamar was going to be throwing the ball. They haven't looked like that necessarily to this point. They're winning games. I still like the Steelers as a four-point underdog at home. Like, we talked about that week one, and then what happened? Steelers got the shit kicked out of them, and it was like, oh, well, you know, maybe that – it's still like – 75% of the time over the course of Mike Tomlin's career as the head coach of the Steelers, when they're a home point, when they're a home underdog, they end up winning that game like outright. So I'm going to take the Steelers. There's no logic behind it. It makes no sense. It's just a gut feel pick. And I'm going to take the Steelers plus four at home. I love that pick. And for, for no reason other than it's a it's a tough AFC North matchup. Over the last six matchups they've played each other, dating back to 2020, 17 points total have decided uh, those six games. Total. Wow. So, I, look, it, it's it, it's always a big game uh, for these two when they play. It's always relatively low scoring. Uh, but lucky for the Ravens, it's not in prime time. It's not a night game. So, and it's not in November. Uh, which is when they usually end up playing in Pittsburgh. So I like the fact that uh, that the the Ravens have been humming. On the other side, for the Steelers' offense, the success they need is going to come from a healthy Kenny Pickett who can run, and that's not going to happen very effectively, neither against the Ravens' defensive line nor because uh, he's he's injured and banged up. He hurt his knee. Pretty, it was a weird fall yesterday, last week that uh, that twisted his knee up. If you have to go to Mitchell Trubisky in this one, Good luck, uh, but the success from that offense comes from Kenny Pickett being able to use his legs and make plays. Uh, he's he's down a receiver. They're, they haven't been able to use Fryermuth effectively uh, much this season, and, and so I just think the Ravens' defense is going to swarm uh, and, and do a really good job against uh, against a depleted Steelers offense. Um, so I'm going to take the Ravens. Here in a, in a in a pretty crucial game. The last time they won by more than I, th- I think it was by more than four points. The Ravens uh, in this matchup was the year Lamar won MVP. So uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I, it was 2018 and 2019 was the last time they won by more than four points. And I feel like four points is like that. Like that should be about what the line is for this game because of all that, because of the history. I just. I haven't like week one against Houston, Baltimore, 25 points. Again, like it was week one. We're trying to give the benefit of the doubt, new offensive coordinator, new system. Then they barely hold on to win against Cincinnati. They lose that game to Indy. They only put up 19 points against the Indy defense. And then last week, 28 to three against Cleveland. But again, like DTR threw three interceptions. Like I, even in that game, I didn't think 
the Ravens offense looked that good. And now you got back-to-back games against divisional opponents uh, on the road. I just, it feels kind of like a slip up spot for the, for the Ravens here. Um, Despite the fact that, look, I I like the Ravens coming into the season. I have them as, I think I had them as the number one seed actually. Um, But I I liked Baltimore. I do, but I just, I think Pittsburgh, this just feels like a Pittsburgh win again, not maybe not the smartest pick, but that's where I'm rolling. All right. Eagles Rams Eagles flying out to LA four and a half point favorites on the road. This line feels low. Again, I feel like this is kind of a rat line. Um, I think the this, the Rams defense is scoring. Like you can score on this Rams defense. Like they they've played pretty well. Um, but the one thing I think the Rams really need to do to keep their team in it is to get generate pressure on the quarterback. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to do that against the Eagles' offensive line. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the run. This feels like a game where the Eagles are going to run a million times and then Jalen's going to hit a couple of deep shots. Uh, I I can't really come up with a, a map other unless like the Eagles are turning the ball over left and right. I don't really see a roadmap to how the Rams keep this game super close because I just think the Eagles are so much better on both sides of the ball. I think the Eagles' defensive line is going to eat in this game against the Rams' offensive line. Uh, I don't see a, a whole lot of hope that – the Rams offensive line are going to be able to slow anybody down, especially with this McVay offense. They like when you can have, you know, that two and a half to three second pocket where he can, you know, Matt Stafford can sit and let routes develop because that's when they can really take those deep shots. If you're making the case for the Rams, the Eagles defense is banged up. We saw that, you know, a second year, basically rookie quarterback was able to, to throw the ball quick at the ball out fast. You know, that's going to be the blueprint against the Eagles all season. That being said, Nicholas Morrow, who's filling in for Nicobe Dean, second highest rated uh, linebacker in the NFL right now behind Roquan Smith. Yeah, even ahead of e- last week. <laughs> yeah, even even ahead of your guy, Fred Warner. Like Morrow's been around the field. Zach Cunningham is a huge liability in, in pass coverage. So that stuff over the middle of the field, I think, is going to be there. But if Darius Slay can take out Puka Nakua, keep the rookie out, out of the way, they just signed uh, Brandon Roby, who has a lot of experience in the nickel because the last couple of weeks, the Eagles have been sliding Bradbury down to the nickel and putting Job on the outside. Job's been getting cooked left and right out there. So if they can get Bradbury back to the outside, I think, and maybe they can get some quality nickel play from Brandon Roby, you know, that, that to me will say a lot. The other thing for them too, is they were down two of their safeties last week and they were already really thin at that position. Terrell Edmonds can't be on the field for this Eagles team. He is an absolute liability in the pass coverage game. He's done some things in run, but honestly, with how good Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow have been in the run game, I'm not too worried about that. To me, it's we need to find a way to get Bradbury back to the outside, let him match up one-on-one with the guys on the outside. And if Justin Evans comes back in this game or Sidney Brown, I want to see more of them instead of Terrell Edmonds because he's been really, really bad. And the one thing about this Eagles team this year that's that's hurt them, and we saw that happen a lot in the Redskins game or Commanders game, despite the fact that, you know, the officiating was questionable at times, way too many penalties, way too many penalties for a team that has really high expectations. This feels like a, all right, they didn't look great against the Commanders, but they're going to be able to run the ball in this game. They should be able to throw the ball in this game too. I think the Eagles offense looks really good here. I, I'm going to take the Eagles minus four and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think the the offense is going to do its thing. I think this is a one of those games where Jalen goes in and and just does his thing, uh, right? Where 
he's he's hearing people talk and he wants to 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 mute it in the headphones but uh at a certain point especially you know second third of the season you 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 got to walk into the into the locker room and be like screw you this is my team and this is where it begins and that's i think that's going to happen for for Justin Fields against a, or not Justin Fields uh, uh Jalen Hurts against a really bad LA Rams defense. I think for uh, for the Eagles on on defense, even if you don't shut down Puka Nakua, right? Like this was the game plan that they drew up against the Niners. In that game, let Puka Nakua get his man. As long as you can get up there and stop the run against Kieran Williams, that's going to be the 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 uh, the key point. Uh, because if he's if they're able to be able to run all over you, uh, if you're trying to shut down Puka Nakua, and I don't think they will, because I think the Eagles defensive line is that good. Um, but if they are able to run all over you, then you're going to be in trouble with Matt Stafford holding the ball that long uh, and uh, and then making plays to, to Puka Nakua. I expect Cooper Cup, he's been limited in practice. If he is back, he's going to be extremely limited on the field, probably definitely on a snap count. Uh, and so um, so I don't know. Um, I don't know how involved uh, or, or impactful he will be uh, in this matchup if he is there. Um, but I think, you know, again, we, we talk about some of these players, like go ahead and let Puka get his right. Um, especially if that's your weakness in the, uh, in the nickel right now, uh, just make sure you take away the run. And I think the, uh, the Eagles defensive line will, will do that pretty effectively. Uh, so I'm going to take the Eagles as well. Yeah. Um, and this, that popped up and, and had been floating around in, in Philly recently. And look, I, I know I can get guilty of this sometimes too, like being harsh, on on Jalen and like wanting to like and again like stats versus what you see on the field like it's always you always got to try to marry the two when you're doing a- analysis right like take the stats take what the eye test tells you find a way to blend the two together and and ideally it'll be either somewhere in the middle or it's going to be someone like Mahomes where it's just always incredible right Jalen Hurts has won 21 of his last 22 starts in the regular season think about that 21 right of 22 starts in his last my guys right, right on your heels <laughs> well so yeah he's trying to but if we look <laughs> at it only six quarterbacks have gone 21 and one in a span of 22 games those quarterbacks are in the hall joe of fame. montana <laughs> joe montana tom brady peyton manning patrick mahomes and shocking one here jim mcmahon wow jim mcmahon's the one kind of outlier there but ultimately and this is why I love Jalen, right? And this is why Philly fans love Jalen is even when he doesn't look good, even when there's moments where he's turning the ball over or he's like, we were talking about on, on Monday's pod, like doesn't look super comfortable in the pocket. Like he did last year. Keep the main thing. The main thing like this dude is a winner everywhere. He's gone in his career, Alabama in, in high school in Alabama at Oklahoma. And now as a starter with the Eagles, he is 26 and 11 in the regular season in his career. And he's won. 21 out of the last 22 games he keeps the main thing the main thing and if you're an Eagles fan like you just you have to love that you have to be excited about a guy who only cares about winning but in this case we're picking against the spread can they get a five-point win they should they are a significantly more talented team than the Rams the one thing this Eagles team has done worse this year is they've beat themselves and done things to keep these games closer than they should I know Matthew Stafford's look good this year, but they also have had some moments where they don't. And if, you know, if we're going to play the, you know, the, this team beat this team, so we should beat them. Like the Niners handled the Rams pretty comfortably, although that was the closest game the Niners have played so far this year. The Eagles should win this game comfortably. I like the Eagles minus four and a half. 
All right, Bengals minus three at the Cardinals. I I don't like picking Bengals games right now. I mean, this yeah. is a must win. And Burrow, they you know Zach uh, Zach Taylor said like Burrow's playing. Burrow's going to keep playing. Right? They, they need wins. They're one in three. The Cardinals defense has looked frisky um, last week. Not as frisky. Uh, and there's obviously been some really bad letdown games, but they were playing San Francisco. At some point, like this is this is a make or break game. I know it's only week five, but this is a make or break game for the Cincinnati Bengals. Three point road favorite. They have to win this game. They have to win it comfortably. I'm gonna take the Bengals because it feels like they're already in desperation mode. The Cardinals looked like they were that team that was frisky through the first three games. Then they get their shit pumped in by a really, really good team but they're going to come out and play hard. And so there's a case to be made that the Cardinals could come out and win this game outright. I wouldn't be shocked if they did. The Bengals are too good of a team to continually struggle the way that they have. It feels like with the way Burrow's been so slow and hampered with the injury, teams are just going to keep blitzing him and they're going to try to force him out of the pocket, which he doesn't want to do, which means he's going to continually spike balls. Hopefully he's feeling better this week. Hopefully that calf is getting better this week. I'm taking Cincinnati minus three. I don't love it, but I'm going to take the Bengals minus three on the road. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I don't love it either, but uh, you're right. This is this is the make or break situation. Cincinnati's way too good for this. Uh, even if they don't have T. Higgins, and then he said he's going to try to play, um, but they still have weapons all over the field on offense. And then on defense, I think they're good enough, um, and they played good and well enough on defense uh, for for most of the year anyway to prove that they can stop a, a relatively mediocre offense uh, that the Cardinals have. So uh, I know they got the fire in their bellies after they get off the bus, uh, but uh, the Cardinals are, uh, are, are in a situation where they're, they're coming up against a team. That's going to be like we said with the dolphins, they're going to, they're going to come out with their hair on fire because they have to. Yeah. All right. So we're both on the Bengals there. Uh, Jets Broncos, by the way, should let the people know Vito picked the read option special for his three locks of the week. Eagles, Broncos and Niners are his locks of the week. Uh, One of those games, Vito's Broncos, one and a half point favorites at home against the Jets. I don't know what it is, man. I just I want to keep betting against the Broncos. I just like to me. I, I don't see it with this team. They released Randy Gregory after sign, after just signing him to a deal. Um, he's going to end probably going to end up joining the fucking Cowboys again or something, um, which is going to be really fucking annoying or the Niners. He's going to, he's going to pick one of those teams. He should go to Buffalo. If I was Randy Gregory, go to Buffalo, join that D line. Um, but jets at Broncos, the Broncos one and a half, the defense feels really bad. I feel like Zach Wilson, this like this next game is going to be a, a really interesting example of like what is Zach Wilson, right? Because if he plays the way he did against the Chiefs, which is a really good defense against a really bad defense like the Broncos have, I think he'll look pretty good. Like I'm not gonna lie, like he he outplayed Mahomes on on that Sunday night game. He just flat out did. Can he do it against a worse defense after the heartbreak? Like this is the mentals half of football. Can Zach Wilson? bounce back after the drop snap and in his words, cost him the game. He's got LeBron tweeting at him. He's got a bunch of people sending support. A lot of people laughing at him. Like this is like a, 
are you a dude or are you not? Are you the same little punky, like bad guy in an eighties, you know, movie that everyone thinks that you look like, are you that high school bully, you Macchio. know, that nobody actually likes? Yeah. Like fucking Ralph Macchio type shit. Or <laughs> are you like going to take on what happened against the chiefs and build on it? Are you going to crumble under that game or are you going to move on it? You have Garrett Wilson. They have talent there in that, um, in that jets offensive room. The one thing we've seen is you can run the ball on the Broncos. So I would expect Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook to have pretty good games here. I'm going to take the Jets as a, as a one-and-a-half-point underdog. I, I This is the best defense the Broncos have played so far this season. I, I don't see them having much success throwing the ball. And even still, it takes them a, a complete half to wake up against the worst defense in the league, and they barely put up 28. And now, granted, they did score a lot of points in the second half of that game, but they looked like shit in the first half against one of the worst defenses in the NFL – I think Russell Wilson struggles against a really, really good defense here. I think the defense keeps him in it. And I think this is like, a, all right, like we got some momentum here as the Jets. The Jets defense came to life last week against the, the Chiefs. Um, I, I, I like I like the Jets here. It's it's it feels wrong because it's like, are you really going to bet on Zach Wilson? And I am. But also, like, Russell Wilson is my other least favorite person to bet on. So I have no problem doing that. It's the lesser of two evils in my mind. I'm taking the Jets. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going back and forth on this one as we speak. Uh, you know, this this line is is rude, number one. Uh, and number two, <laughs> it, 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 it expects that you uh, will will take the bait uh, and, and take the Broncos at home. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I don't think I'm sorry, Vito. I just, I think the jets offense is, is in a better spot against the defense. That's riddled with injuries for the Broncos. That is like dead last in DVOA and EPA per play. Uh, unless until, and unless they play better, um, I can't justify picking the Broncos right now, even at home. Uh, because again, like you said it there, like the, the Bronco, the Broncos had to come back 28 points against the worst defense in the league at home uh, against the worst defense in the league in the Chicago bears. I don't think they're going to be in a spot to be able to even do that against this jets defense, which played really well against Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs. So uh, I'm with you. I'm going to take the jets on the road. It's a, a weird pick. I don't know why I'm betting on Zach Wilson, like you said, but I think their offense does just, they're not going to have to ask him to do a whole lot. Right. Um, it's just get the ball out to, to Garrett Wilson. We'll run the ball and that'll open up for you. Boom, done. And then yeah. on the defensive line, uh, for the, for the jets on defense, who the hell is going to run the ball for, uh, for the Broncos. Javante Williams is out this week, probably, uh, for a couple of weeks. And he's still not Jaleel, fully uh, back from the knee injury either. Yeah. Jaleel white is, or whatever his name is. Jaleel white. Jaleel, white, never mind. Uh, <laughs> Jaleel McLaughlin. That's who it is. Uh, is, Jaleel is, white. I like it. This is name. Of, we'll just call him Urkel. He's been good, right? But, uh, you know, against this defensive line, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball, and that's what helps open up the big plays for Russell Wilson um, I mean, in games where they need to come back. I don't think that I, happens. I don't think and I think you can simple. I think you can simplify it even down to this, right? Like you have one of the worst offenses in the Chiefs going up against one of the worst defenses in the NFL, but at least the Jets have shown some sort of life offensively as the Broncos defense just looks has looked terrible all season. And then on the other side of the ball, you have 
kind of a middle of the pack, but closer to the bottom offense who like, I know they've put up some points this year, but like they haven't been excellent offensively. And we've seen the struggles from Russ, you know, throughout the season so far going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. So if we're just breaking it down to like unit versus unit, I'll take the Jets offense being one of the worst offenses in the NFL going up against one of the worst defenses than a mediocre offense going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. And that math to me makes a lot of sense to just go ahead and rip the New York Jets. So I'm going with that. I'm trusting the defense and I'm trusting that Zach Wilson has matured because we talked about this on Tuesday's pod. Like, the fact that Zach Wilson is showing accountability for the first time in his career, like I had kind of forgotten about all the stuff from last year about how it wasn't his fault and like the deep other things and kind of blaming other people. The fact that he was on the sideline saying to his team, like I lost that game for us. That's on me is a sign of maturity. And we often forget that like, yeah, these guys are like 21 years old when they get into the NFL and they need to grow up as people. In addition to as football players, he's got another opportunity there. He's got Aaron Rodgers in his ear. I, I like I like the Jets here to figure out a way to win this game. Um, all right, up next, we both have locks on this game. Chiefs a minus four at the Vikings. This line is I know the Jet uh, the Chiefs have not looked great, but remember what the Chiefs did against the Broncos just a couple of weeks ago. All right, they played a really really good defense last week against the Chiefs. They're playing a uh, against the Jets. They're playing a not very good defense against the Vikings this year. To me, this is Chiefs all the way. This line is way, way, way too low. I know the Chiefs haven't been what we normally expect out of the Chiefs, but they they're still it's still Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes should never be a four-point favorite against the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, a team of that caliber like what we've seen out of them so far. The Chiefs' defense has honestly been the brightest spot of this team so far. We know that the issues on the outside with the offensive weapons for the Chiefs, but they still have Travis Kelsey. They still Noah Gray has been really good for them. They have two tight ends they rely on. Pacheco's been really, really good. We saw what the Eagles did against the Vikings running the football. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to run the ball in this game. I think it's going to open stuff up. I think this is a blowout. This line yeah. to me is bonkers, bonkers too close. Um, even if it is like a one-score game, I still think the Chiefs end up winning by a touchdown. So I'm taking the Chiefs minus four on the road. Lock, third lock, send it in. And I know you're you're thinking the same thing I am. A hundred percent. It almost makes you think, what do they know? Uh, yeah, it's Vegas, a rat line. Right? Absolutely. It's, it's a hundred percent a rat line, but you're right. At the end of the day, it's Patrick Mahomes against a really bad defense. That's it. The yeah. the Vikings haven't been able to move the ball, but for, for Justin Jefferson getting into the end zone twice last week and his first three weeks where he had 150 yards each of those weeks for him, he only had 80 yards. So again, this is a case of going, let him get his. Uh, and I, you know, even if it is the the toughest cornerback matchup he's going to have all season, uh, let him go and get his. They haven't been able to run the ball effectively. They haven't used TJ Hawkinson effectively. They haven't used any of their their supporting wide receivers effectively. And, and so it, it, it seems like a lot of what they did last year, it was like get Kirk Cousins into a close game and then he'll go win it for us. It's not going to happen, man. Not, not this year. And, and yeah. it hasn't happened. So, um, I'm with you, man. This this line seems drastically low for for a Patrick Mahomes team uh, led team who has to look at themselves in the mirror here in Week Five and be like, "This is not our brand of football," and it hasn't been uh, th- through the first four games. So, at what point are they going to flip the switch, uh, right? Yeah. And whether that's that's in Week Ten because their their schedule is is favorable, whether that's in uh, 
uh, once they hit the playoffs, because we know they'll get there. But at some point, they have to start piecing it together because uh, there's there's too many distractions outside right now. I think we all know what I'm talking about. Uh, And and there's too much uh, of the uh, of the the look of them not being what they are on offense. Uh, and, And so at some point it has to flip a switch. And I think this this matchup against the Vikings defense is a good opportunity for it. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at the games where the Chiefs have struggled this year, like they lose to a good Detroit defense in week one, right? They And they almost won that game, probably could have and should have won that game. They beat Jacksonville, sloppy game, albeit, but like they, they still found a way to, to hang on against the, the Jags there, but they were playing a really good defense. And their defense has played really, really well against good quarterbacks, right? They've played good against good quarterbacks. They played well against bad quarterbacks. So... I, you know, Jacksonville, that was a tight game, but they still won by eight there and they had the complete control of the second half there. They blow the doors off the Chicago Bears. And you look at the New York Jets, like that was a weird, fluky game. It was. And the Jets defense made them, you know, feel known. But the common denominator there is when they play good defenses, they've struggled. And when they play bad defenses, they've looked fine. So, so far, the Minnesota Vikings have been a bad defense, right? So, what's what? Why wouldn't you take Mahomes? A three and one Chiefs team in Mahomes minus four against a one and three team in the in the Vikings. And the big story with the Vikings this year is that Kirk Cousins has looked worse than he's looked in years since like Washington Kirk Cousins, right? So if this is the version you're going to get from Kirk Cousins going up against the Chiefs defense, that's a win for the Chiefs defense. And on top of it, too, you get Mahomes in a get right game going up against a bad defense in Minnesota. Um the most points Minnesota scored this year was the 28 against the Eagles in week two, but that was also garbage time touchdown. That really didn't matter all that much. And the Eagles were definitely the better team throughout that game. This seems like a no doubt about it game. Um, I, I'm so far, maybe, maybe I just got lucky picking the dolphins on that one rat line in week in week two. Um, but I think I'm just going to go all in on rat lines this year, right? If the Bills are five and a half point favorites against the Jags, that should be a bigger should be a bigger line. I, I take the now? Bills. The Bills are a better <laughs> yeah. team, right? The, the Chiefs minus four against the Vikings. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, again, they could be the what do they know we don't know stuff. But early in the season, just take the better team. Take the team that you know is the better football team. And right now, that's the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm taking the minus four. Yeah. All right, Scotty. Sunday night, the game of the week. Yeah, I got to stay up big late. Test. I'm excited for this game. It's going to be a ra- the whole league should be excited for this game. Niners are four point favorites at home against the Cowboys. How are we feeling going into week four and the first big test for your Niners? Sorry, week five. Feeling better by the day. I, yesterday, I looked at this line as I was trying to, to think of what my locks of the week would be. And I was like, you know, honestly, the smart pick for a lock would be the the bad guys covering uh the three and a half or four um but i don't think so like i'm, I'm not that weird like um i i get that the defense has played really well but again what we what would we say on tuesday they're untested uh, against a really good offense and again i think the the name of the game here uh as it has been all season and all the the entire time that he's been the quarterback for, is brock purdy keeping possession of the ball right the longer that you leave that defense out on the field for the Cowboys, the more you wear them out, the better chance you have at uh, at at being able to hit the explosive plays to Brandon Ayuk or Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel or George Kittle that we've had over the first four games of the season. So uh, not worried about that on offense, on defense. 
I, I'm I, I don't know what this Cowboys offense is yet, really, apart from that one big CD Lamb game. Um, and I think you just throw Charvarius Ward on him one on one with some safety help over the top and and, and force um Dak Prescott to make plays. Uh and, and that was the MO in the playoff game, and we had two interceptions uh last year. And and I think that that continues in, in this offense. So uh stop the run up front. Uh, and I think that the the defensive line is going to be decent enough at that. They might give up a big player or two here to Tony Pollard, but I, I think they'll be overall uh, good enough up front to stop the run and force Dak to make plays with his arm. Which is exactly where the Cowboys don't want to be. Yep. That's the exact spot. And, and you talk about untested, right? Look at the offenses they've played this year. The Giants, the Jets, the Cardinals, and the Patriots. Those are four out of the 10 worst offenses in the NFL statistically so far this season. And they lost one of those games to the Cardinals, you know, like, and the Cardinals forced Dak Prescott to make plays and he's choked, right? Like, I know Cowboys are riding their high horse. And to me, like you throw out the Giants game and the, the Patriots game, because the, the other thing that needs to be a point of concern for this Cowboys team is they've been terrible in the red zone. Across the board. And the game they lost against New England even, even, right? They had to settle for field goals twice in that game from the red zone. Now, granted, that game was out of, out of touch and there was nothing that the Patriots were going to do. But then even if you look at the reverse side of it, look at the offenses that the, the Cowboys have been tested with. The Giants offense, the Jets offense, the, the Cardinals offense, which again, they lost and gave up 28 points to the Cardinals. And then the Patriots, again, Four of the worst offenses, four of the worst defenses in the NFL on both sides. This team has not been tested. I shouldn't say four of the worst because the Jets are a really good defense. But remember, that was a week removed from them having that miracle walk-off touchdown uh, punt return for uh, in week one. And it was the first game with Zach Wilson back. So that team was out of it. Like, I almost throw that game out of it as well. And throughout the first half, that game was closer than people thought because, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson had that crazy long touchdown catch and run against the uh, – against the Cowboys defense. This is you're going up against what has been the best team in the NFL right now. The giant, the, the, the Niners are going to be able to move the ball on the ground. They're going to be able to throw the ball in the air. The only thing that holds back the Niners is if this offensive line doesn't hold up and they start to, and Purdy starts to feel pressure. Now Purdy's been really good about getting the ball out of his hands. And that ultimately is going to be the thing to neutralize this uh, Cowboys defense because the secondary now that Trayvon Diggs is backed out definitely is not what it was before. And they do not yeah. have the horses back there to cover all of the weapons for San Francisco. So if San Francisco brings like their B plus offensive game, and that's including like because of the pressure and stuff that Dallas, you know, throws at them, they're still going to be able to cruise, I think offensively in this game. So then the question comes down to, can Dak Prescott in this Cowboys offense go up against one of the best defenses in the NFL? And honestly, I, I don't think they're going to be able to. Like, I we haven't seen them go up against, like, a truly, truly elite defense. Even in the Patriots game, like, a defense we thought was going to be really good, their two best defensive players are out in the first half. So, like, yeah. and that offense obviously wasn't going to do anything, but there were two defensive touchdowns in that game, too, for the Cowboys. The offense themselves – has been itself has been okay and hasn't been great. Hasn't been spectacular. Uh, and we saw when they had to chase a lead, which I think they're going to have to in this game against the Niners. That's when Dak Prescott starts to force the ball. Brandon cooks has been banged up already. I know Michael Gallup's back and he starts to look more like the guy they gave that contract to. 
but I still trust the Niners defense. I, I honestly, I think the Niners kind of bully the Cowboys in this game a little bit. And I think the Niners end up winning. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so for, for my sake, but you know, and you said it there too, the, the untested part for, for the 49ers, we talked about the Cowboys defense being untested against uh, offenses. I think this is the toughest test for sure that the Niners offensive line will have uh, all season. Yeah. Uh, we know Trent Williams is good, but everybody else has played above their the the level that we thought. Jake Brendel at center is playing smart, efficient. Uh, on the right side, Spencer Burford and Colt McKivitz are, uh, are, are playing really above what we thought that they could be. Um, so all they got to do is, is, you know, you don't even have to dominate them. Just neutralize, like you said, B, B plus uh, offensive grade uh, in this game, on especially on that right side, is going to be huge. Yeah, I, I I just, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, they just played the Cardinals and bodied them, right? And that was a team that the Cowboys struggled with. They went up against T.J. Watt, who likes to line up on the on his left side, but the right side of the offensive line, the opposite side of Trent Williams. He was a non-factor in that game against Pittsburgh in week one. I know they're going to move Micah Parsons around, but Demarcus Lawrence is going to go one-on-one against Trent yeah. Williams, and Trent Williams is going to win that matchup. Like, Demarcus Lawrence is a really, really good pass rusher. Trent Williams is the best offensive line, lineman in football. Like, he's not getting to the quarterback there. So, it ultimately comes down to, like, this to me is the biggest Brock Purdy test we've seen by far. Mm-hmm. It would have been the Eagles, but the Eagles obviously knocked him out of that game in, in the NFC Championship game, and, and that was all she wrote because Brock Purdy couldn't throw the football. We'll see you in December. Ultimately, if the offensive line – who has looked really good this year and has held up against Aaron Donald and TJ Watt and Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, if they're able to continue to, to play the way that they have, this feels like it's going to be Niners. Um, I think by more than a touchdown, really. Like I, if I, if I was making this line and I get why Vegas has the line where it is based off of, you know, they have their formulas and they plug in the teams and it spits out a line and that's what they say it is. To me, this should be Niners by a touchdown because I, I know the Cowboys have looked really good, but two of their wins were because their defense and special teams scored multiple touchdowns. And the other win was against the Jets after losing their franchise quarterback for the season. And you get the first Zach Wilson game of the year. So it's I'm not saying all the wins are like fluky, like the defense has been that dominant that like they deserve to win those games big, but the offense hasn't been tested yet. I don't see how the Cowboys are running the football against this Niners defense. I think the, the the Cowboys running attack without Zeke and it being solely the the Tony Pollard show has been pretty disappointing. And ultimately, when you play against the Cowboys, all you want is to try to put Dak Prescott in situations to, to make big throws. And look, sometimes he does. But a lot of times he forces throws, he turns the ball over, he makes bad decisions, and he's not going to have a ton of time back there because this offensive line for the Cowboys is still really banged up and they're going up against one of the best pass rushing units in football. I like the Niners alternate spread minus seven because uh, you'll get some good value there as well. Um, but I'm going to take them minus the four here as well. So we're all in. Vito also took the Niners, as I said before. So all it's of us good. are in. All of us are in on the Eagles and the Niners. Uh, and Vito took his Broncos. God bless him. Uh, all right. And then Monday night, this is going to be a weird game. I'm calling you right now. This is going to be the weirdest fucking game of the week. It's Packers minus one at the Raiders. The Raiders win games on Monday night. And I don't understand why, no matter who the quarterback is, it doesn't make sense. Um, do we know if uh, Aiden O'Connell is starting this game or not? I haven't we seen. Do not, no. So even if it is Aiden O'Connell, I, I kind of just 
I kind of just want to take the Raiders. Like the Raiders just win weird fucking games like this. The Packers, the one thing you'll say is, look, they're coming off of a mini buy. They just got their doors blown off by a division rival. They're going to Vegas. Uh, the Raiders can't stop the run. Um, that whole organization seems to be in turmoil. Josh McDaniels is doing Josh McDaniels things. Um, since the week one win against Denver, 38 to 10 against Buffalo, they lost 23, 18 to the Steelers. They lost 24 to 17 against the Chargers. showed a little bit of life. Now they get the Packers. This feels like it could go either way just because again, the Raiders are just a weird team that finds ways to win. And I know there's no like stat correlation. It's a different quarterback and different coaches, but they just always win these weird Monday night games. It's just like when you're a fan, it's just like, Oh, the Raiders are on Monday Night Football. Oh, they're going to win that game. It's going to be a weird, dramatic final kick, and they're going to end up making it somehow. Um, Janikowski. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It takes you back to the the Andy Lee and Janikowski days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, but I do think I do think that Jordan Love and the Packers are a better overall team um, defensively. This is probably the best defense they've played since Buffalo. Uh, I. I'm going to take the Packers minus one against my better judgment just because I'm believing in the team that I, I, I feel is the better team. So I'm going to take the Packers, um, but I don't I don't feel great about it. I don't to be fair. I wouldn't feel great about either side in this game. This to me is a stay away game if you're betting. Yeah, I, I would, too, uh, especially on a Monday night game. But for the offense for well, not just the offense, the defense, too, for the Packers, uh, on offense, Luke Musgrave's banged up. He's been a pretty key cog in in, in that offense uh, as the rookie tight end. Uh, and Jair Alexander's banged up with a back issue. So that's going to be a problem when you're trying to cover Devontae Adams uh, on the outside. Uh, and then, obviously, a couple weeks uh, – yeah, two weeks ago, David Bakhtiari out uh, with, with the knee. Uh, a, a tradition unlike any other, uh, it yeah. seems like. But uh, that that's – we saw was a problem last week um, – on, on the left side of that line uh, with Jordan Love on, on the Thursday night game, getting attacked by that, that aggressive defensive line for the lions. I think, uh, and the, I think the Raiders this week do some of the same, uh, just, just bull rush that, that uh, the outsides of that, uh, that offensive line with Max Crosby um, and company. And I think they'll be able to, uh, to do that pretty effectively. Uh, and then if Jimmy Garoppolo plays, and I think he will uh, it's, it's simple, man, just make the, make the easy play. Uh, don't try to force anything against that defense because they will tear you apart, even with a banged up Jair Alexander. Um, so uh, just make the easy play uh, and, and use Josh Jacobs out of the backfield. Look, last week, him catching the ball was was the most effective part of that offense against uh, the Chargers defense, which didn't have an answer for it. Um, and, yeah. and I think that if you continue to do more of the same with Josh Jacobs, get him more involved in the passing game, that's going to be some uh, it's going to open up some stuff for, for Devontae. Uh, down the field for sure uh, like i said this game could go either way i will say i told everyone to fade josh jacobs in fantasy this year uh 166 yards through four games i know he was the lead leader in the nfl in rushing yards last year um that offensive line is really bad but 62 carries for 166 yards is less than three yards a carry yeah. that is not great bob um and and frankly like if it's aiden o'connell I, I liked what we saw in the preseason. I kind of even liked what we saw from him against the Chargers last week because even if it is Aiden O'Connell, he's not going to have a guy get six sacks against him like Khalil Mack did yeah, uh, right. on Sunday. So um, I could see this going either way. I'm going to take the Packers because I, I believe – the other thing too is 
coaching wise, who are we pick, right? You're taking the floor 10 times sure. out of 10 over McDaniel. Yeah. So um, when it's that close, I, I do that. Uh, right, let's say, uh, take a quick break. We'll come back. We have five picks in college ranks for right now. But to recap our locks of the week, Scotty, you have the Lions minus 10 at home against the Panthers. The Titans minus two on the road against the Colts. I hate that. <laughs> and the Chiefs minus four at uh, on the road against Minnesota. I have the Bills minus five and a half in London against the Jags. The Dolphins minus 11 at home against the Giants and the Chiefs minus four on the road against the Vikings, just like you. And then Vito with the Eagles minus four and a half against the Rams. Broncos minus one and a half at home against the Jets and the Niners minus four against the Cowboys. You know, I almost picked the Niners as one of my locks. I was very close. Oh, thanks, buddy. But I didn't. I did. <laughs> I do. Like I said, I like the alternate spread. Get bump that line up and get some money. Or if you're into teases. You know, you might be able to do some. I mean, you'd have to, that, that would mean the Niners would have to cover 11, which would be a lot. Um, but also, I wouldn't be shocked if that's how that game goes. So, uh, quick break. We'll come back. We have picks against the spread for college, five games, and then we'll get you guys on the way to the rest of your weekend. All right. We got five very fun games. I said at the top of the pod, I'm feeling a weekend of college football chaos. We haven't had one yet. We haven't had one where just tons of chaos has gone on. It's week six of the college football season. Somehow we're already at the halfway mark uh, of the college football season or right around it, which That's is sticks. crazy. I always hate the 12 weeks. Um, but hey, moving forward, you know, we'll have the uh, we'll have a little bit more fun moving forward with the uh, expanded playoff next year. So the playoffs will be a little bit longer. We'll feel like we'll get more college football. But yeah, week six, um, this is kind of the halfway point. Uh, but enjoy it while it's here, as we always say. Uh, we got a bunch of fun ranked games and a couple of fun games that are uh, not ranked, uh, at least not ranked on ranked, that uh, I think will be fun here as well. So we're going to start off Ohio State hosting the Maryland Terrapins, both teams undefeated. Ohio State 4-0, the Terps 5-0. Ohio State's a 20-point favorite here. And look, Ohio State has not been this high-flying offense that we've seen. McCord has had moments where you're like, oh, okay, I see why this guy was as highly ranked as he was, you know. Um, but the Terps as a whole, Talia Tungavailoa, six-year player in college football, unbelievable he's still playing. Uh, but experience, I think, is a really, really big deal in this in this kind of a game, right? If there's a chance that you're going to have a guy who's going to go in to the horseshoe and not be afraid, this is a pretty good guy to go in and do it, right? He's always always put a big number since being at Maryland. This feels like the best Mike Loxley team that we've seen uh, there in college park. So I kind of love the idea of Talia Tungavailo going in there and covering the spread. It's a 20 point spread. All right. And so far this year, like uh, Maryland's averaging 455 yards per game, uh, Ohio state 447. The defense hasn't been spectacular for Maryland, albeit, but, their offense has been able to outscore people at the same time. Ohio state's defense hasn't been amazing. I mean, they're averaging about 255 yards allowed per game. Um, and obviously like the, the Western Kentucky game, like Ohio state looked awesome. Uh, the Indiana game, they struggled a little bit, 23 to three. That was a 20 point spread, but that IU offense is nowhere near as good as this Maryland defense. And then we saw that the, uh, uh, the Notre Dame game or sorry, offense, Maryland's offense as well as what I meant to say. Uh, and then of course the Notre Dame game, right? They come away, they sneak out a win. 
That Notre Dame defense is really good. Maryland's nowhere close to as good as that defense, but I actually think Maryland's offense has looked more impressive so far through uh, five weeks than Notre Dame's has, albeit not against as tough of uh, uh, competition, but they put up 44 in Indiana, right? They put 31 up against Michigan State. They put 42 up against UVA. I, I as a whole, I think Maryland's actually playing better football um, on offense than what we've seen out of Ohio State. This could be the game where everything snaps and it's like, boom, Ohio State's amazing again, right? That could very easily happen. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think Ohio State is good offensively. I don't think they're great. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to have a huge day. He'll probably have like 170 yards and two touchdowns. But if Maryland can put some points up on the board against an Ohio State defense, which I think they can do, I think it's going to be close. So I like Maryland plus 20 on the road. Uh, But I think Ohio State wins the game by at least a touchdown. Yeah, I just don't think Maryland has the weapons. I think Ohio State wins this game pretty comfortably. I don't think it's where they snap into uh, into consciousness uh, this season, just because, like, again, Maryland hasn't played anybody. At, at the very least, Ohio State, for all their struggles that they've had, have played Notre Dame, uh, a, a really True. good defensive team, and 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 come out on top on the road. So, or at home, I'm sorry, um, but like. I, I don't think that this is the the spot. And I, I agree that uh, Tua's brother can get a little frisky uh, at times, especially with the experience that he has, especially with the experience he has against Ohio State. They played them pretty well over the past uh, three or four seasons since he's been the starter. Um, and I, I think there's there's potential for it to get close, but I don't think that Maryland defense is going to hold up uh, against the, uh, the Ohio State offense. Ohio State's better on both sides of the ball. It's a home game. This is a game where they need to to get Marvin Harrison Jr. involved more because he hasn't been to the level that we nearly thought that he would be this season. So I think you're right. I think he has a big day, and I think that leads to uh to to them covering the twenty at home. I don't think, however, that this is the spot where they they get right because look, two weeks from now is going to be their first real big test in conference against Penn State. Yeah, um, could be a little bit of a look ahead as well, but um, I agree. I do think Ohio State wins the game, but. You know, a little backdoor cover, experienced quarterback. They have good weapons. I don't love this Ohio State defense, though they did play well against Notre Dame. You're definitely right. They definitely have, as a whole, been better. But um, you know, than than we've seen in years past. But I, I I like Maryland here. I think Maryland does a decent job. Uh, all right, up next we have Kentucky, number twenty, Kentucky going to Athens, Georgia. This is a trendy upset pick. I'm, I, a lot of people like Kentucky looked awesome against Florida last week, uh, and and they can run the ball. Georgia 0-5 against the spread so far this season. It's still Georgia, you know. I but this is this is like the first what should have been the first real test, but instead they got scared by South Carolina and they got really scared by Auburn last week. Uh, turning the ball over so far has been a big problem for this Georgia team. And that's how both Auburn and uh, South Carolina were able to keep those games close. I'm a little worried about Kentucky's defense, but if you look at like Auburn's defense, wasn't coming in playing lights out either. Right. You know, that to me was more of like, they were opportunistic. I think Kentucky's a better defensive team than uh, Auburn was. I think Kentucky as a whole uh, is a better team than Auburn was. They played really well against Florida. They put up 45 against Vandy. They beat uh, the shit out of all the other – it was Akron and uh, Eastern Kentucky and Ball State, as they should have. Uh, I don't know. I just 
I'm not loving what I see out of Carson Beck. And I don't think Georgia gets through this regular season unscathed. And like they, they have on paper what going into the season, what should have been a pretty easy schedule, right? Because they don't get Alabama out of con- or uh, out of the divisions. Um, they don't have to play LSU, right? So remaining on their schedule, the tests are Kentucky, Mizzou, and uh, Florida. But that's a neutral site game. So if there's going to be a time when a team scares Georgia, and a team that also, by the way, is not afraid of Georgia, is Kentucky. Remember a couple of years ago when Georgia went on to win their first national championship out of the last two, Kentucky put it to them a little bit in Athens as much as any team did that year because Georgia was so good. And I'm pretty sure they ended up covering there by scoring a touchdown late. And that was Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean. And when that defense was at its top, uh, the big difference here is so far, Carson Beck has not been as good as Stetson Bennett was the last couple of years. And if Kentucky can run the ball, which again is a big if, but we saw Auburn do a pretty good job of running the football in this in that game last week. If Kentucky can run the football, I think they'll be able to play keep away with from Georgia a little bit. So I like Kentucky plus 14 and a half. And you know what? I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on the Kentucky money line for an upset because I think if there's a team that's going to do it, it's going to be Kentucky. That being said, Kirby Smart, I feel like has to be lighting a fire under his team after the last couple of weeks. But the one thing about that, and this to me is like, a big butt is Kirby comes from the Nick Saban school of coaching, right? And what Saban's whole thing is, is when your team's really, really good, you lay into them, right? You lay into them, you humble them, you bring them back down to earth and you, you don't let them think of any game as being easy when they struggle is when Saban talks about, you know, how good these guys are and how much he loves that team and that kind of stuff. So if they're getting Kirby in like the loving you up Kirby kind of way, I don't know, man. I, I feel like this Georgia team needs a kick in the pants a little bit. And I feel like Kentucky and Mark Stoops, they want this win, man. And to go to 6-0 and with a win over Georgia, they could even, they can drop one game and still potentially go to the SEC championship game, which would be the best season that Kentucky's ever had. So Kentucky's got a lot on the line here to, to show up and show up big. I like Kentucky to cover the 14 and a half. And again, Sprinkle a little bit on that money line because the odds are in your favor. And I think Kentucky could end up winning in that game. Kentucky is 10 of 13 hitting the game total under in their last 13 games over under at 48 is one of the lowest Georgia uh, over unders I've seen in, in the past, what, two, two years that they've, they've won the title. This is game is at home. This is a get right game. Don't think twice about it. They are far and away the better team. Uh, Kentucky looks good. They played really well against Florida. They were able to move the ball. Their offensive line is better than I think most people think. Uh, but this defense for Georgia is about to dig their heels in and get nasty. And they're going to do enough on offense. They did not get Brock. Uh, uh, oh God. Who's the tight end? Just Brock Bowers. Freaking blank. Brock Bowers. Thank you. It didn't get him nearly enough involved in the first half. I think that's all that fourth again. quarter when he had like 120 <laughs> yards. In that's the right. Fourth yeah. quarter. So I, I, yeah. I think you see him get more involved from the jump. Uh, uh, on this Saturday, it's a home game. Like I said, get right in front of your home crowd against uh, what everybody thinks is going to be a tough uh, SEC game. Everybody's starting to push toward Kentucky. I'm going to fade it and and take the uh, the favorite. I guess uh, with Georgia. All right, all right. The one the one thing that was outside of Brock Bowers, there's just there's not the skill guys aren't there at Georgia this year, which I think in years past they've always had at least a few guys. What, like the talents and- there. 
it's just not like it, they just whatever reason the development hasn't like sprung out yeah. yet. Like we, you know, and the defense isn't as good as it was in the last couple of years. And I think that's a reason why some of these games have been closer than it was before, because the defense had been so good that even if they didn't have elite weapons on the outside or like George Pickens was hurt, like they were still a really good team and the defense could kind of carry the way. I don't think the defense can carry the way to an undefeated regular season this year. And um, I think Kentucky has some pieces there where they'll be able to, to at least challenge Um uh, Georgia and, and keep it close. Uh, all right. Bama one and a half point favorites on the road at Texas A&M. The last time Bama went to Texas A&M, they lost that game. Uh, remember that was a, a pretty, pretty big upset. That was uh, overall one of the bigger games. I like Texas A&M to do it again here. Um, what they proved last week and, and a couple points throughout the season is like A&M has in College Station, they have a ton of expectations because of the Jimbo Fisher thing. But on the national level, people are kind of sick of Jimbo Fisher and AM just coming out with these incredible recruiting classes and ultimately disappointing, right? Um, Bama looked really, really good against Mississippi State last week. That, to me, feels like we're coming into a bit of a trap game here. I, I think AM has the NFL dudes. They always do. They always have NFL dudes. The quarterback play has been better this year than it's been the last couple uh, years. I, I just I feel like one and a half in College Station. It's going to be a weird, ugly game. I mean, any game in College Station is weird and ugly because that place is just weird and ugly as as a whole. Um, I like it. Three thirty kickoff time. If it was at night, I definitely would be taking the Aggies. Uh, but I'm I'm going to roll with the Aggies here. All right. Um, that line, depending where you get it, is anywhere from one to one and a half. I'm not sold on Alabama. I know they're getting better throughout the season, but I like AM here. I think AM's gonna gonna keep this one close. I think they find a way to win it late, but that might be dumb. But I just I'm not completely sold on this Bama team from Nick Saban. The quarterback play to me is a problem, and I think Texas AM is gonna take advantage of the uh the disparity between their D line and Bama's offensive line, which is one of the worst Bama O-lines that we've seen in a long time. So yeah. I'm taking a and I like the Aggies. Yeah, but uh, this this opened at three and a half, and now it's down to one and a half, that's which true. tells that's me true. that that that's everything's getting pushed toward A&M at home, which is rightful, I think, just based on, on the fact that what we've seen out of Alabama. But I think, again, this is one of those games where they roll in, and, and, and we know Saban's expectation of them is – they cannot drop another game here. Mm. Uh, they can't. And and so I think this is one of the weeks, like you talked about and alluded to in the in the Georgia matchup, where Saban lays into the team and says, how good are you? Because yeah. prove it. Because this is the stage to prove it on. And I think they do. I think they cover, uh, not only cover the one and a half, I think they went out right in this game on the road. I'm going to change my pick. I'm taking Bama. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I just, you convinced me. I, I want to take AM and if AM wins this game, I'm gonna be really mad. But yeah, no, I think you're right. The coaching alone, I think I, I think Saban has kind of figured out the pulse of this team. Um and look, they could come out and lay an egg because that's what they've looked like for most of the season after but after beating Mississippi State. Are they gonna do that? Probably not. I'm searching. I'm taking yeah. Bama. All right. Uh LSU minus five and a half on the road at Mizzou, top twenty-five matchup. Mizzou higher ranked than LSU. LSU coming off of a a bad loss to Ole Miss, a crazy game, one of the best college football games of the season so far. Um, you know it's good when the over-under hits 100 points, <laughs> like that LSU and Ole Miss game did last week. <laughs> Mizzou has been one of the fun stories. Eli Drinkwitz has this team playing really good football. 
I, I really kind of want to take Mizzou in this game, right? Uh, it's in the Vegas zone, that five and a half point spread. They looked really good in that game against Kansas state, who I think is one of the better teams in the country, definitely one of the better teams, but as a whole, I mean, they're pretty untested, right? And LSU has already had to go through a gauntlet of Florida state. They had to play Ole Miss. Um, LSU is a really, really good football team. And I think this is a big bounce back game for them. I like LSU minus five and a half on the road. Not so fast, my friend. Ooh. <laughs> I think Missouri is, is the real deal. I think their, their, their efficiency on offense is, is way above what anyone thought that they would be this year. I think a lot of people wrote them off to start the season and they've come in and played really well. They've got big playability. They can run the ball. Their offensive line is better. LSU's defense is not, I don't think they're very good at all. Um, and, and so I think they'll, that Missouri will be able to move the ball. Uh, last week against Ole Miss, LSU's defense gave up 284 yards after first contact on 34 wow. missed tackles. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't see how that changes that that's something you can't like just fix game to game. Right. That, that is a, it's an effort a, a thing. Though. It's, it's, yeah. It's a mental thing. So you, you can fix it. It's just, it's what's the makeup of your team. And now that LSU's dropped their second game, their, their shot at a national championship is, is done. They could still potentially win the sec West though. Cause they only yeah. dropped one conference game so far, uh, but they would need a lot to happen. Uh, yeah, Not going to happen this week. Missouri. To me, Mizzou feels like that team, and it happens every year in college football where there's a few teams that start off like 6-0 and that normally aren't in the top 25, and then they go up against a team with like really good NFL prospect players, and then they get their doors blown off. So uh, I feel like LSU is going to handle this game. And lastly, we have the Red River rivalry. Uh, Vito is taking Texas in this game. Texas is minus 6.5. This is the upset. This is the upset I'm picking. Oklahoma, I love Brent Venables. I totally understood why people were disappointed after year one, but also having been around Oklahoma fans, they're completely irrational, just like any college football fan base. But they expected Brent Venables to come in and completely take a defense that had some of the worst talent on it at the Power 5 level and turn it into a top 10 defense in the country, and that just wasn't going to happen. And so far, Oklahoma has looked like a completely different football team. I really, really, really like Oklahoma in this game. 12 points. Texas, look, they've been really, really fun this year. And people are already saying, oh, Texas is back. Texas is back. If you look at the ESPN matchup predictor, just based off statistics alone, Oklahoma has a 54% chance of winning this game, according to ESPN's analytics. I understand sometimes those analytics make no sense, but Dylan Gabriel is a really, really good quarterback. Um, they're throwing the ball lights out. It feels like a great mesh of the Oklahoma offense that we've seen under Lincoln Riley and then be able to put up a lot of points mixed with the defense that is playing significantly better. Um, I, I don't get me wrong. Xavier Worthy's a stud uh, Brooks. The running back's really good. And Quinn Ewers has played really well, but this Oklahoma offense has been playing really, really good football this year. And then in games where it's gotten kind of close and the offense hasn't been working as well, their defense has stepped up, right? You look at that game against Cincinnati. They win that game 20 to six. The offense wasn't necessarily humming, but the defense came in and slammed the door shut. Uh, 66 points against Tulsa. That's a group of five team. That's not like an FCS game. Like they beat the shit out of Tulsa. Uh, on the other side, Texas obviously has the best win. They looked really good against Bama. They looked really good against Kansas last week, who's a frisky team. Baylor, who's been kind of up and down. 
I think this is going to be a really, really fun game. I think it comes down to a final drive. And I think because the line's at six and a half, I think that means I got to take Oklahoma. But I think Oklahoma finds a way to win this game. I'm taking the Sooners, baby. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm with you. It's been a long time in this matchup since Texas was ranked higher than Oklahoma um, entering this contest. The last time was 2006. Uh, wow. When Texas was the seven. Oklahoma was ranked 14th at the time. Um, but every time they're they're almost always ranked on ranked matchups, which is good for uh, this rivalry, good for the sport, I think. But Texas also hasn't won back to back Red River showdown since 2009. Uh, so this is the real test. Is Texas back? Uh, yeah. It's been the question we've been asking for the last decade, it feels like. And, uh, you know, we they've they've won a couple of, I mean, the Alabama game, everybody was saying they are. And now all of a sudden uh, they run into what I think is a pretty underrated Oklahoma team. And when Dylan Gabriel is playing out of his mind right now, I think he's going to be a really crucial factor. It's going to be a high scoring game again, I feel like. Uh, but I, th- I give the defensive edge to Oklahoma and the way that Will Venables coaches him up. So I'm with you, man. I'm going uh, uh, Boomer Sooner in this one. All right. Uh, to recap, uh, Scotty's taking Oklahoma, Mizzou, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. I'm taking Oklahoma, LSU, Bama, Kentucky, and Maryland. Vito is on Texas in the Red River rivalry. All right. That's everything for us. Thank you all for listening. As always, we will be back on Tuesday recapping week five in the NFL as well as some college football. Hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Travel and have fun. If you're betting, be responsible. Also, good luck. And uh, let's have a weekend, boys. Let's have a fucking weekend. Football is here. We're in the thick of it, as we like to say, and uh, it's only getting better. So for Scotty, I'm Jeff. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you guys next week. And as always, take it easy, everybody.